So um, after we had soup yes. um, at soup night. Thank you for coming. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I love soup night. It was a very last minute decision. Um, and it was just like, you know what? I don't want to go to this Halloween party we've been invited to. Do you want to go to soup night instead? I want to go to soup night and hold some cats. <laughs> <laughs> the cats really did put us over the edge. Um, we almost left with that cat. I, I commend <laughs> your ability to make an adult decision. Yeah. Because that cat was very cute. Mm-hmm. And, and I it did think, look like a combination of our yes, two cats. And in like three or four months, that decision might have been good. Like you could have gone home with a cat. Mm-hmm. But you don't know what your life I is like. I don't know what my like. life is like. Yeah. Um, so after the soups, we went to Sweetgrass and they were like, it's going to be 45 minutes. And I was like, Phew. you know, I've been here many times. Right. And when they say 45 minutes, it's usually 10. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, we'll wait. Yeah. It was 45 minutes. God, and y'all left soup night late, Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, luckily we had the soup. Right. We had all the soup. Luckily we'd given you the appetizers you needed. So we weren't starving. Right. Because we did wait until 8.45-ish. Yeah. No. 8.30. No, we closed at 8. We left at 7.40. Yeah. So so you didn't eat. I'm sorry. (laughs) I thought you meant you arrived at Sweetgrass. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. We sat down to eat. At 8.40? 8.40-ish, Yeah. That's European stuff. Yeah. That's late. Um, but we walked around Thomasville. Okay. As is the point of First yes. Friday. Um, we're, we were very charmed by the sip and stroll. Good. And how people just had their alcohol on this very clearly like a defined confined route. area. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, it's just like the French Quarter. <laughs> yes, that's um, right. But actually, I, I thought it was great. But we went into um, Big Adventures Outfitters. That's right. To potentially look for Colorado clothes. Exactly. And so, like, I bought some socks. Okay, good. They're the greatest socks I have ever put on my feet. What brand are they? Darn tough. Yeah. Yeah. They're incredible. (laughs) Um, I have never in my life wanted to wear socks. Right. I think that's a South Florida thing too. Probably. Um, And I like, I do because I wear shoes, but like as soon as I am home, I am barefoot. Right. Not so since I got these darn tough socks. Oh, really? They are so comfortable because they... That they they hug the foot uh-huh. without being tight. Okay. And then there's That's room. Crucial. And then there's room for the toes. Okay, so they the, give the you toes, some breathability. The toes are not tight. Okay. But the rest of it is, and I don't know what it is about the construction of the sock uh, that makes I know. it what so are they different. Made of? I, I don't know. Wool. I don't think wool. Wool is too heavy for, right. for a sock. Or maybe they're. I want to say they're merino, which I think is a okay. kind of wool. Yes. Um, but I don't actually know that. Okay. Um, they're expensive socks. Okay. I do just want to be very clear. <laughs> I cannot believe I paid that much money for a pair of socks, but I don't regret it. Okay. And I'm going to buy more. Okay. That's good to know. Cause my brother's a rock climber and maybe I'll recommend those to my mom. And he'll be like, no, no, no. I've been wearing these for Christmas. years. Yeah. Uh, probably, but like worth it. Okay. Super great. But what I was going to say is, oh, um, it wasn't even about the socks. I was so excited yeah. for your oh, socks. I forgot about the socks. The socks were so great. I know, just the, the funny thing is that Kelsey couldn't remember the name of the store when we were talking about it the next day, and she was just like, Big Outfitters. <laughs> and I thought the idea of a store called Big, Big Outfitters. It would be like Big and Tall. It was really funny. <laughs> it would be for They just sell enormous outfits. Yeah, Lumberjack men. Big Outfitters. I love it. Welcome to episode 250, a milestone episode 
of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I cannot believe we have done so many of these things. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. I also cannot believe that people send us so many great we mailbag good questions. questions honestly, time. honestly, maybe my favorite set of questions we've ever gotten for a mailbag. Yeah, they're really good. They're very, very good. Um, so, like, we don't have a lot of time to chit-chat. Right. We got to get to these because these always run long, and last week was long. Right. And so... We're doing it. Let's let's dive right in. Okay. What gift... What books do you want to gift your parents this holiday season? Um, help me with this. Okay. What books do I want to gift my parents this holiday season? Your mom, I think, would really like the... D- Wait, she listens to this. Are she does. Okay? <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> Um, I, I don't like surprises. I think she will love The Dearly Beloved. Mm-hmm. I think she would like Logger Queen of Minnesota. Yes. Um, I, that was on my, my short list. I think those are the two I'd recommend for your mom. Um, for my dad... Dutch House at all? Yeah, she would do. She could do Dutch House. Yeah, that's a good book. Um, for my dad, I think I'm going to buy The City Game by Matthew... What's his last name? Goodman. Um, this is a book about the, gosh, 1949 to 1950. I want to say that was the year. Um, the NCAA basketball tournament champions were the New York City College Beavers, I want to say. <laughs> and they, it, the NBA was still segregated at that point, And this was a team, City College was known for like academics, not sports. And this team was made up of, there was nobody on the team who was not African-American or Jewish. Mm-hmm. Like, so... Very 1970s so very, New York. Yes. Yeah, or even though yeah, earlier. Much earlier. Yeah, and so... Very 70s New York. But, so they were complete underdogs. They wound up winning both the NIT and the NCAA tournament, which wow. never happens. So anyway, I think this looks so good. So I think that's what I'm gifting my dad. He, I don't think he listens to this. Um, and then another one I'm recommending, I don't know if it'll be the one I get for my mom, but I'm thinking about it, is the new Julie Andrews memoir. Oh, yeah. Homework. I think my mom would really like yeah. it. Um, it would be something different for her. Um... So those are my go-tos for my mom and dad. Your go-tos for your mom. I don't know about your dad. I don't either. What did you gift him last time? I don't remember. I don't either. Does he like Eric Larson? Those are always good to me. Good history books. I don't know. I'll have to think about this a little more. Yeah. There's a new book out called... Um, I think the new Malcolm Gladwell would be a good gift book for, for parents, for nonfiction readers. And then the there's a new book called Checkpoint Charlie, which is about the Berlin Wall that mm. looks good. And I know we have questions about Tom Brokaw now, but he has got a new book out about his time as a reporter during mm-hmm. the Watergate scandal, and I do think that would be really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I saw that um, when I was here for Soup Night. Yeah. Thought, oh, okay. That, yeah. That, that, that might still be good. I would really be interested. I, I think he's just an older man who's, his sensibilities. He's, he's out of touch. Yeah, he is. Um, he should have been put he, up to pastor t- 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, well, his children. I'm always like, where are your children? Yeah. Helping you out. Why are you, why are you still working? Right. I do, I, I do still hold in my heart a special spot. Of course, I'm sorry. of course, no, it. and I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. We can, we can remember all the good times. That's right. Um, favorite narrative nonfiction. And ticket? so I was gonna say this is a great transition question. Yes. Like, what are we giving our parents? But also, you mentioned the new Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. Malcolm Gladwell is always a good um, nonfiction yes. gift. Um, uh, he's yeah. not particularly prized among academics yeah um because he is he's very pop psych yeah very pop sociology he's not really the problem with Malcolm Gladwell is that he takes an idea that is really interesting and says and so this must be universally true yeah and like doesn't actually 
prove that with anything. I still find him an excellent writer. Yeah. Um, he's very engaging, and I think his ideas are, are are fun, if nothing else. Yeah, and I think that's why it would make a good gift for yeah. a variety of people. Absolutely. Like a wide range. Um, Lucy was recommending this morning The Great Pretenders. Oh, gosh. I've, I think I want to make that plural because of, like... 50s song, some kind of 50s song. Uh, but maybe it's a great pretender. I'm not sure. But it's the new um, Susanna Cahillan. She wrote um, Brain on Fire. Mm. And so this is her new book about mental health and kind of looking at psychology. Mm. And I did not realize when I read Brain on Fire, this has been years ago, like she basically was about to be committed like because they were diagnosing her with schizophrenia. Mm. And anyway, it turned out she had an autoimmune disorder. Uh. And so luckily they figured this out before she was committed. But this book is supposed to kind of look at um, modern psychology and what science goes into modern psychology and the difference between physical and mental health. And is there like science, Mm. the science is involved. Anyway, it sounds fascinating. I am very curious about it. I think it would make a great gift. Um, one Kelsey just finished is trick mirror by Gia Tolentino. Yeah. Um, she told me specifically to, hand sell it to you okay um that you would love it okay good um a collection of essays um by like very young i think she's 30 okay 31 32 like she's she's right at our age yeah um but just this like very talented young writer who i think works for i want to say the atlantic or, or one of those one of those big big name publications um has this um essay collection out called trick mirror that is kind of about Modern life, mm-hmm. but like it's not navel gazy. Like, oh well, this is my tragic history of of how I relate to social media. But it's like really biting historical context for where we are now, and really funny observations about what life is like now. Like, it's very much I'm in the gonna... vein of nonfiction essay that you would enjoy. Okay, I'm gonna look um, that up. I wrote it down. Yeah. Um. I. Oh. I was gonna. It logged me out. But I have been listening to a nonfiction book, but now I can't remember the name of it. Weirdly, I can just tell you that the cover looks like Call Me By Your Name, yeah. and it's by the former editor of Teen Vogue. Oh, oh, yeah. Do you know I, what I'm I talking about? I read about that. Um, it, wh- what's her name? Um, Elaine Wentworth or something like that. Hold on. Now I feel terrible. Oh. Um, I heard her give a talk. This is the opposite, or not the opposite. It's a different thing than I was thinking of. Um, I think her name is Elaine because I remember thinking, that's an old-fashioned sounding name. Um, oh, I can't remember. Will you edit this out while Maybe. I look for it? I just don't want to waste our time. Elaine Welteroth hmm. is her name. Oh, yeah, more than enough. More than enough, thank you. Coming space for who you are, no matter what they say. I'm enjoying it. Um, good. It's like good, almost like self-help, personal growth, nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I also... Oh, I felt like um, there's some really good historical nonfiction out right now. Um, But I think if you're looking for, like, funny essay collections, I love um, You'll Grow Out of This by Jesse Klein. It's been out a couple years, Mm -hmm. but I feel like some people might have missed it when it debuted. Eric Larson has always very good historical historical. narrative nonfiction. Um, Gosh, there's just... There are some really good ones out right now. Um, But those would be... You know what? Okay, here's my favorite. This is my favorite thing to gift. The Moth puts out... Mm-hmm. They have two yeah. collections mm-hmm. out right now. I think they are great for any reader, which is why I think they make a great gift. Like, my side of the family reads a lot. Jordan's side of the family does not. Even... I would buy these for Jordan's side of the yeah. family. Like, they're great little essays. Um, great storytelling. Um, there are two collections out right now, and they're both 
lovely and giftable and great books. And I think in that same vein, every year they come out with Best American Essays, Best yes. American Short Stories. That's a good gift. They're inexpensive. Yes. They're $12, $13. Yeah. And they're filled with the best American writing of the year. Yeah. Um, not always. Yeah. Um, that, That's that, the goal. That is the goal. They don't always succeed. Um, but this year's are really good. Um, I have looked um, through the essay collection. I haven't looked at short fiction, but but they're very good. Um, do you have any rereading traditions? I used to reread Paradise Lost every year. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't done that in a few years, but I recently started listening to a podcast, a Patreon-only podcast called The Devil's Party um, by a scholar and internet personality named Anthony Oliveira. Okay fascinating about about paradise lost okay. where he kind of like he put it into where he like reads it mm-hmm. and like does it correctly and with good dramatic presence and then he has like a 15 or 20 minute episode kind of explaining the passage in the most interesting way possible how inventive i understand that like that doesn't sound fun yeah to most people yeah it is i think it sounds good it's super great because yeah. he's not just like so here's what happened right but like goes into some of the context and the literary illusions that you missed and and how funny some of it is to a modern audience that maybe wouldn't have been at the time. Yeah. And vice versa. Um, really, really great. Okay. That sounds good to me. Um, I used to reread um, An Old Fashioned Girl every year uh, just for comfort. It wasn't even like a specific time of year. Um, I have not done that probably since owning the bookshelf. Um, Mostly because for whatever reason, I am drawn to rereading things in the winter mm-hmm. and uh, at least December here is utterly nuts. Yeah. And so I don't have time to read much less reread something. Um, but that used to be a tradition of mine. I also have a lot of friends who do the rereading of Harry Potter every mm-hmm. summer. I've done that a bunch of times too. Yeah. That appeals to me, but it is not something I have done. Yeah. I love, I love the tradition of the seven day reread yeah i do too and i like i love the idea of having a rereading tradition like friend i think a friend of mine reads little women every christmas mm-hmm. like i love that idea um it i don't know that it is super conducive to my current stage of life i had a friend who would reread gatsby in one sitting oh wow. once a year but i bet you could you could it's, it's only 120 been. pages long yeah. like it's it's not long and that was his thing like yeah. i want to take four hours and read gatsby yeah that's a love, and I think that almost would be more doable than tackling like a thick. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like I think I might be able to commit to something like that. Yeah. Um, what books are you looking forward to spring twenty twenty? I have not looked that far ahead yet. Um, I will say the one that immediately came to mind releases in January. It is called Such a Fun Age. Um, yeah. It okay, is I know about this one. Excellent. Think, um, think nanny diaries, but deep and nuanced look at race and culture. Yeah and identity and classism it is fascinating fiction really good um cannot wait to hand sell it um such a fun age and it's got a gorgeous cover um what book would you recommend for a non-reader to fall in love with reading there are so many other valences to that question (laughs) like what else do they like yeah And, and who are they um i think if you're looking I think just going off knowing nothing about the per- the right. reader themselves or the person themselves. I would think you would want either, like we've already discussed, something that's an essay, mm-hmm. something like Tina Fey's funny essays, you know, that they would laugh out loud uh-huh. at. Um, so like Bossy Pants. Or David Sedaris even. Or David Sedaris. Like something that is very funny mm-hmm. um, and would grab and their accessible. attention. And accessible. 
I also think you could go the like thriller route because something that's like a page turner, uh-huh. yep. like that prevents them. I think a lot of times what happens with a non-reader or somebody who doesn't love to read is that it's felt like a chore right. their whole lives um, or it feels like something they don't have time for. Mm-hmm. So an essay collection is perfect because you can make time for mm-hmm. that. Um, and then if you have never really enjoyed reading before because it's felt like a chore, give them something that they want to finish, which to right. me would be a good suspense or thriller. Um, and we've talked about We've talked at length about reading ruts. Yes. Um, I think reading ruts actually have a lot to do with non-readers as well, where they're just in kind of a lifelong reading rut where nothing has been enjoyable to them. And some of the advice that we've given for breaking out of those is to read something short or suspenseful, uh, a page turner. And so like Dan Brown... N- not good, right? Um, but really great for breaking out a reading rut because yeah. it's just fun. Well, and anything to get you reading. So my mom talks about, I grew up in a house filled with books, but my mom often tells people, and she's right, like growing up, I saw my parents reading. My dad was mostly reading historical nonfiction, and my mom was mostly reading parenting, um, parenting books or Christian nonfiction. Mm-hmm. When she turned 40, she picked up Jan Karen's At Home in Mitford, and she told me, she was like, all of a sudden I realized I like to read. Right. She didn't, her whole, like, right. so first of all, don't give up hope. Yeah. You've just got to find the stuff that suits you. And my mom liked reading, but she read super practical mm-hmm. stuff that she could glean. Uh, we joke, like in our house, the family manager was like this book that she loved. I, I have her copy now just because the nostalgia, I want it. But, um, <laughs> but basically then for the first time she fell in love with fiction so it's just a matter of finding what that person really likes um and it could be like there are books about every subject and in every tone and style of voice yeah and so like it depends what that person likes otherwise if they like like sports if they like movies if they like tv like i can find things like those things i was thinking that daisy jones and the six um would be great because it reads like an interview, uh-huh. like a magazine interview. It's like a VH1 behind the music. Yes, and it's told like a Vanity Fair interview, or, you know, or like a back and forth. Yeah. Um, and then if you, but if maybe somebody prefers nonfiction, I loved SNL's oral history, and it's mm-hmm. massive. It's huge. But because it's told like an interview, you just feel like you're reading a magazine article. Yeah. And a lot of people, I feel like, can comprehend reading a magazine article, mm-hmm. but they can't comprehend sitting down to read a 500-page right. book. Right, no. Um, so maybe... If they realize, oh, this is just like reading a Vanity yeah. Fair piece or something, that might be helpful. Yeah. Um, okay, what are your favorite comic books? Oh, big question. Um, I read mostly Marvel. I don't read a lot of DC at all. Um, recently, X-Men had a big relaunch event that was two books called House of X and Powers of Ten, but the ten is an X, like the Roman numeral. Okay. Um, that's going to be collected in one like hardcover or paperback book. In the next couple of months here, I highly recommend that. I thought it was an amazing story. Um, I really like um, getting away from superheroes. Um, Fun Home by Alison Bechdel mm, is really amazing. Um, what was that other one that you really liked that was super sad? I loved um, um, Last Things. Yeah, cool. That was yeah, hard, but by, it was so good. Moss. Yep, Marissa. Marissa Moss. Um, that's that's an incredible story, well told. Um, back to superheroes. Tanahasi Coates has been writing Black Panther for four years now, I think, four or five years now, um, and it has really developed into something special. When I wasn't sure about mm-hmm. it when it started. Um, let me give one more that's really representative. Jonathan Hickman um, 
wrote a really great Fantastic Four story in like 2010 um, that I think is collected as Fantastic Four by Jonathan Hickman that I, I think is really the peak of the superhero genre. Um, what books do you read that are light and fun? Comic so this books. question, yeah, this question <laughs> came from, we read a lot of literary stuff. Yeah. So what do we do when we want to read something light and fun? I think your answer is for sure. Comic yeah. books that has come across here. Um, and then mine are rom-coms, um, occasionally YA lit and thriller or suspense. Yeah. What I like about comic books is that they are little soap operas. Mm-hmm. Um, they are often really challenging and literary and dense as well and i read them for that sometimes Mm -hmm. but sometimes i just read them because they're fun yeah um i do read two or three issues a day more or less okay um but right now i'm working on like 1980s x-men which is very soap opera and very wordy um i love waiting for tom hanks the flat share um city baker's guide uh what is the name of that book? City Baker's Guide to Country Living. Um, the Late Bloomers Club. I think those are really fun. I Not all rom-coms are created equal. Nope. Um, but Christina Lauren had The Unhoneymooners, which I thought was a total romp. Um, some of Jasmine Guillory's are great. They're just way more in the R-rated uh, uh-huh. theme than I am. Um, but that kind of is my go-to. Also, YA, I'm, what, uh, what to Say Next, I loved. Um... Gosh, save the date. I thought was cute, kind of like Father of the Bride. Anyway, those are to me. If I'm like trying to take a breather um, for a minute, that's what I gravitate toward. How do we read so much? How do we read so much? I don't know. Um, I don't do it consciously. I I read so much because I don't have children. Mm. I part of it is for my job. Um, and I am a fast reader. Like, I don't want to deny that. Like, I am a fast reader. Um, I also take a book with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if I'm waiting somewhere, I try not to look at my phone and instead pick up a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a lot before bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, um, yeah, again, try to make a conscious effort. To I think the biggest hindrance to my reading life is my phone. Yeah, for sure. Um, for me. Because, again, I don't have kids. Uh, my job lends itself to reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the biggest obstacle is is the phone. I think you have to figure out what your biggest obstacle is. Right. Maybe it's that you work a normal eight to five job right. and that's eight hours of your day you can't be reading. Well, read on your lunch break. Mm-hmm. Um, read in the doctor's office. And eventually it adds up. And also take comfort. This is not a contest, everybody. Mm-mm. Like I read a lot of books because it's literally my job to help you figure out what to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need to read a lot of books. So you yeah. trust me as a resource. Um, but I do think, and we've talked about this before, um, the advent, the coming of age of the internet yeah. has made it almost like a competitive sport to Absolutely. figure out how many books you can and read. It's maddening. And you don't have, like, that. it's okay. I think if you're reading one to four books a month, you're that's doing great. great. Um, that's great because it means it means you're reading. And I think there's a large part of the population that doesn't read at all. Not at all. <laughs> so. And I want to be clear, like, I have not been reading fiction for a couple of years now. Yeah. But I'm still reading a lot. Yes. Uh, I'm reading a lot of nonfiction. I'm reading a lot of articles. I'm reading a lot of comic books um, that I just don't talk about on the show because that's not what you want to hear about. Right. Yeah. And so your reading life also might go through seasons mm-hmm. and it might be different. I think of pe- people with young kids or people with really stressful jobs. I know 
the bookshelf is not brain surgery. But when we have a stressful season here, my reading life takes a dive. Absolutely. Like, and that's because mentally, when I get home, I don't want to read a book. I yep. want to watch TV instead. Um, and so don't be so hard on yourself. Um, but take a book with you everywhere. Also audiobooks. Yes. Listen to audiobooks on your drives, on your commute. Um, and don't be afraid to turn off your phone or yeah. to put your phone on mute. Or I saw recently, I just got a new iPhone. Apparently there's a way to like... I don't know if it's an app or something, but it basically turns all of your apps off for like a time that you set. I don't know if it's like, like I said, an app that you download or um, if it's a feature of the new iPhone, but I saw somebody's screen with it on and it turned their screen gray for a period mm. of time. So I don't know, put your phone to sleep for a bit or yeah. something like that. Um, and read before bed maybe instead of watching TV or something like that. Um, okay. What is your favorite fiction from indie presses? Um, the only indie press that even comes to my mind right now is Grey Wolf. Um, I really like what Grey Wolf does. Um, I immediately thought of Rabbit Cake. Um, and that's from Tin House. Yep, and I loved, loved it. Um, they had another really um, recent one, Mostly Dead Things. Yes, that I was, have not that read was that, but it great. was supposed to be good. Um, Grey Wolf just put out a collection of short, short stories that might not appeal to many of our readers called Suicide Woods. <laughs> Um, but it is a very, very good collection from what I've read. I've read two stories from it in the past couple weeks. Okay. Um, by Benjamin Percy. Um, he is an upcoming X-Men writer, and so I wanted to read some of his fiction before his comics come out. Um, and we start from, you and I both yeah. read. And yeah, yeah, And I yeah, think yeah. that, that came good, from a small press. That was a great one. Um, I also wrote down Convenience Store Woman, which if you're looking for a book, in translation, that would be a good option. Um, and then I wrote down two nonfiction titles from university presses. Ecology of a Cracker Childhood is mm -hmm. good if you're from the South or you are curious about life in the South. And then The Preacher's Wife right. that I just read recently was by um, Princeton University's press. And it was fascinating, but very academic. So just go in knowing that. Yeah. Um, okay, what does a reader do when they have guilt over not finishing a book? Do not finish guilt. Um... See, this is where I'm a bad therapist because I'm like, can you not feel that? I, <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't be a therapist. I have very practical advice here, which is get rid of the book. Yeah. Take it to, take it back to the library, get it out of your line of vision. Mm -hmm. So I used to feel really guilty about books I didn't finish. Um, now at the bookshelf, I feel like I have to read it at a slightly more frenetic pace. And so if I am not, in, I'm not talking about a book that's hard to finish, meaning like, hard to find the time or mm -hmm. whatever. I'm talking about a book that I don't like. Yeah. I get it out of my house. Life's too short. Life is too short. But I think practically speaking, it's harder when a book is like staring at you in the yeah. face. So get it off your nightstand, move it to the stack to be returned to the library, take it to a little free library, um, donate it to a friend, but get it out of your house is my practical advice. Yeah. If you come to resent that physical object, yeah. um, because you are not spending enough time with it, then... Marie it, Kondo that-ish. Ma Marie Kondo <laughs> that-ish. Like, get it out. Um, so that's how I feel about Do Not Finish Guilt. Yeah, Now, I agree. in November, at November Reading Recap, you and I are going to discuss a book that I had laying around my house yes. for months. Very excited to talk about That I about finally finished. So, a Kate... But look, I think that happens once in a blue moon. <laughs> I really do. Like, yeah. I feel like mostly, if you don't like a book... Get it out of there. Yeah. I think it helps. I, I just cleared off. I had a giant stack of arcs mm -hmm. that I was sure I was going to read. Mm -hmm. I just got rid of half of them because I was like, no, I'm not. Yep. I'm not going to read this. Um, and the other thing that I, the other practical advice I give um, 
is to give yourself a timeline. So for example, if you don't pick up that book, it's like something in your closet. If you don't wear that thing in a month's time, you're never going to wear that thing. Bye. If you don't, if like set yourself a deadline, if you don't pick up that book, not finish it, but if you don't pick it back up in seven days or 30 days, then you're done. Give yourself permission to be done with that book. That means you gave it your best effort. Mm -hmm. You tried. So set yourself a deadline and then get rid of the physical evidence. Um, Okay. What is a book you wish had a sequel? The Brothers Karamazov. Oh. Um, Dostoevsky was going to write a sequel following the life of the youngest brother, youngest brother Alyosha, um, but he died and never got to write it. And I am so, 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 so curious about what that book would have been about. This is hard for me because I notoriously do not like sequels. I do not like series. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, they're not just what I'm really drawn to. Um, I wouldn't mind reading more. Of the about about the people in Crossing to Safety, I wouldn't mind reading more about the people in the Dutch House or Station Eleven. Um, mm. But I also am very satisfied with where those authors left their people. I could absolutely see another story taking a place taking place in Station Eleven's world. Yes, I don't know that I want it to be those characters. Yeah, because I love their story and I think it's complete. I, it is complete. That's the hard part. Right. I don't really. I don't really like sequels. I'm trying to remember a book I've even read recently where I was like, oh no, what happened? Um, okay, wait, I have one. This relates to the previous question. So I finally finished Fleischman is in Trouble. Mm-hmm. It ends in a way that I think is perfectly suitable and necessary for that book mm-hmm. and for the tone that book took. I think I would be intrigued in a sequel Focus, Let's say Fleischman is mostly about a separation and a divorce. I would like... Uh, the sequel to be about either reconciliation or what happens when two characters find love elsewhere or something mm-hmm. like that. I wouldn't mind that. I don't know if I'd read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I that the she did lead the characters in a way that I was fine with. But if you like your books tied up in a bow, she did not tie that bow. Um, and so I think a sequel would be fine. Um, I like this question even better. Mm-hmm. Which books you wish didn't have a sequel? Or what's a book you wish did not have a sequel? Uh, the Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> I don't know why uh, that book got a sequel 35 years I later. I know why. I mean, I know why. Money, money, money. <laughs> I, I know why economically. Um, I don't know why artistically and why Margaret Atwood sold her soul um, to write the Testaments, which I have, to be fair, not read. Do you think it was already written? No. You think she wrote it? Yeah. Like she wrote it, knowing in, in, it was in response be to the show. Yeah, yeah I do. Um, I have not read it myself. I have read about it, and I've read many reviews, and I don't. I just don't see the need for it. Yeah, I think it is useless. I think it's interesting when these publishers, because I do think it's publisher decision for sure. Um, I I know we have talked about it at length. I have an unpopular opinion about um, To Kill a Mockingbird's quote-unquote sequel, uh-huh. prequel, uh, Ghost at a Watchman. I actually like it um, and appreciate the grounding that it gives to, to Kill a Mockingbird. Well, let's stop talking about it as a sequel. <laughs> yes. It is a first draft of that novel. Th- that is correct. And so I like it as a part of literary history. Yeah. Um, but I can understand why some people wish that book had just been left alone, similar mm-hmm. to A Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Um, let's see. A book that I wish did not have a sequel... I don't need to keep hearing from J.K. Rowling yeah. regarding the Harry Potter universe. Yeah. Um, um, I wish the Fantastic Beast movies weren't a thing. I enjoyed Cursed Child for what it was. Um, uh, 
I didn't know what else. I don't need another Hunger Games. I, Did you see she's doing another one? another? She's mm. going to... It's not out yet. She's going to write book four. So something that I didn't know existed until the second book in this new trilogy came out this the last month, um, but His Dark Materials. Yes. Um, and now I want to read those because I've actually heard the new one that just came out last month is very good. Yeah. Um, I didn't know there was another series. Yes. So very curious what Philip Pullman has to say in 2019. Yeah. Um... So that's actually like, that's not an answer to the question, but I generally think I don't need sequels, which is why you'd think this one would be easier for me to answer. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, I'll have a bookseller confession. I adore Marilyn Robinson. Like, Mm -hmm. she's at the top of my list of authors I love. I only have read Gilead of that. It's more or less a trilogy of that grouping of books Mm. because I I liked it and I don't, I don't really want to read more like yeah. I, I I do I bought let me be clear I bought the other two books I they're on my shelves at home I just have put off reading them because mm-hmm. I loved Gilead so much and now I'm like what if these aren't as good and I like when authors do kind of I feel like filmmakers maybe do this more than authors but like they do a loose series that like isn't actually sequential like ton of French like ton of French uh, like, that's what I'll read they're, or Wendell Berry like yeah. they're set but that's not even what I'm talking about I like that where they're kind of set in the same world yeah you might interact with some of the same characters but you're yes. not following the same characters you don't have to read them in order yes but I'm even talking about like authors that write three books kind of on the same theme okay yeah that are not the same characters or the same story but are kind of about yes the same thing like yeah. big name artistic directors do that like Martin Scorsese does yes. that or Jonathan Nolan Christopher Nolan. Um, yeah. Uh, that's a great question. And perhaps even an episode idea for yeah. the future. Um, how do we decide what to carry at the bookshelf? Um, uh, well, we rely a lot on what our actual community reads. Mm-hmm. Um, I answered recently a listener question um, via email. And we care about our local community. So yeah. we're a community. We're a neighborhood bookstore. Um, so we reflect the tastes of Thomasville. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also very much reflect the tastes of our staff. So yeah, totally. um, our staff has a lot of freedom in what gets put on our shelves. So if they love it, we tend to stock what it. What are we going to hand sell? That's what we That's right. order. Um, we do <coughs> a lot of, I interact a lot with um, sales reps and publisher mm-hmm. reps. And really, again, take a look at nationally what's selling, but also what I know will sell in Thomasville, mm-hmm. what what genres I know people like, what genres I like. Um, because again, with very active booksellers, which we all are, um, that tends to be what sells. Yeah. And so like a little bit from the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. Um, it's great to have a touchstone of like what is nationally selling. Yeah. Not always great for us here. Yeah. Um, and so like to have those is great. But then to have more copies of something that we know will work for our community is really important. Yeah. Um, why did we pick that theme song? You can answer that. Um, I went to college with um, Ben and Hannah Lusk, who or Hannah, Ben and Hannah Lusk, um, who are part of the band Forlorn Strangers, along with Chris Banky, who I also went to college with. Um, and then the other band members, I don't know personally i don't think but um that band's not together anymore but ben and hannah lusk are married and they are the rally club now um i just like them (laughs) um and they were an indie enough band that like didn't have major label representation that i would have to talk to lawyers about (laughs) um to use the song and so i emailed them and was like hey can we use your song for this podcast and they were like yeah that sounds great 
And that's the story of that. <laughs> um, okay. What southern food does your family have at Thanksgiving? Um, does your family have at Thanksgiving because of where you live? Yeah, no. My family's not southern. What do you, what traditionally did you grow up having? Um, I guess, okay. So, like, my, my grandparents are southern. They're from Arkansas. Um, but, like, northwest Arkansas where it's like that they're southern, but it's also kind Midwest. of the Midwest. Um, so, um, our... Stuffing always had cornbread in it. Mm-hmm. Mine too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't eat stuffing. So this question <coughs> was funny that, to that's me. That's a mistake. Yeah, this question <laughs> was funny to me. So I, um, my family is very Southern. Like our Thanksgivings are very traditional. In fact, family, Butterworth family lore is we have two notorious Thanksgivings. One year we went to an aunt's house in Alabama and they served Cornish hens, and we all were like, "What is this? Where are the turkey? Where's the turkey?" Um, and so that's like a fam- funny family <laughs> story that we share. And then one year we went to Orlando for, uh, which is where my grandparents lived at the time, and my they were big golfers, and we ate Thanksgiving dinner at the, at the club. club. Oh, that's and so funny. And we all were like, what is "Me this? and Chet were like, what is happening?" Um, traditional food. Very traditional. Uh, my grandmother's dressing is famous, like famous in my family. So mm-hmm. I don't mean like outside of those walls because it does look a lot different from other. In fact, it's dressing. It's not stuffing. Um, yeah, I my mean, family. We use the words interchangeably. Yeah, but I don't think they're supposed to be used interchangeably. So how I've understood it is that like it's stuffing if it goes inside the bird. Yeah. And it's dressing if it doesn't, but they are the same thing. Okay. Just depends on wh- where they're cooked. So this is so dressing. We, we, had, we had both. Yeah, this is... Dr- we did not have stuffing. We only had dressing. And um, it's good. It is not... I actually... Most Southern foods, I actually do not particularly... Like, I don't drink sweet tea. I don't like grits. Like, whatever. <coughs> um, but um, that, I think, is the most Southern thing we have at our meal. I have talked at length. I wish we would do cookies instead of pie <laughs> or something in addition to pie because I'm not a huge pie eater, but my brother is a great pie baker, and so he frequently will bake a pie. My dad is an awesome cook. Um, and I'll tell you the other thing. I love my aunt's mashed potatoes. Mm. They are delicious. And if I don't have those, I'm a little bit gr- grouchy about it. We always had turkey, mashed potatoes, um, stuffing and dressing, both in and outside the bird, rolls, um, green beans, but not in a casserole. Oh, I love green bean casserole. Um, I think we did sometimes have a casserole. Um, corn, sweet potatoes, um, pumpkin and pecan pies, and that's what I can. God, one think year of. somebody brought sweet potatoes and not mashed potatoes, and I was like, no, Riot. no, <laughs> <laughs> no, leave this place immediately. I need my mashed potatoes. Uh, no marshmallows on the sweet potatoes, please. Oh no. I don't like sweet potatoes anyway, but... I love sweet potatoes, but that's a last five years... A bridge years. too far. That's a last five years revelation. <laughs> I don't like them mashed. I only like roasted sweet potatoes. Okay, I like... I will eat a roasted sweet potato. I love a roasted sweet potato, but mashed I think is just weird. Mashed I, I'm not interested in. Um, I don't need cranberry sauce. I don't need... It's interesting to marry a person and to dive into their family's uh, feastal traditions. Yeah. Festival, but Festal. yeah. I, um, I made... Some Ward family yeah. uh, dish last Thanksgiving with Kelsey's family. And they were like, oh, you did a good job. But then I also taught them how to make like 
very basic sauteed green beans, and they were like, this is amazing. Sure. So <laughs> my mom makes, um, okay, I like my aunt's mashed potatoes. I'll tell you my favorite thing. It's my mom's hash brown casserole. Mm. And there is there are riots. Me and Chet and I will riot if my mother does not make this hash brown casserole. Because um, Thanksgiving is not at our house. It's at an aunt's house. So yeah. it's like Pollock style, whatever. I went to Jordan's house, and there was no hash brown casserole. And I was like, I'm sorry. What is this? Where Where is the hash brown casserole? Knowing that that's not a <coughs> traditional dish. Right. But anyway, that's what I would miss. Um, superior and inferior fast food? I refuse to eat McDonald's. Ever? Ever. Fries included? Fry, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll eat a fry. Yes, uh, yeah, no, you will. Th- th- their fries are great. I don't like the rest of their food. Sure. Like, I've tried it. I've tried many things over the years. Don't, don't care for it. Um, I used to love a chicken nugget there till I watched Jamie Oliver tell oof, me what it was. Oof. Um, I do like Wendy's. Okay. I think Wendy's has a good cheeseburger. What's your go-to order at Wendy's? Either. Okay. Um, junior bacon cheeseburgers and chili or the Asiago Chicken Club. Okay. Mine is always, everywhere, I, well, not everywhere. Generally speaking, it's a six-piece. I think at Wendy's it's four, Chick-fil-A it's six, a nugget, a fry, and a Coke. The exception to that is Arby's, which I mm. do enjoy an Arby's roast beef sandwich. I also love an Arby's roast beef sandwich. God, I could eat that right now. Um, yes, very, very good. Um, I also like Taco Bell. Sorry. I love Taco Bell. <laughs> Taco Bell's chicken quesadilla is great. Where won't you eat fast food? I mean, currently, politically. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Enough said. Um, I won't eat McDonald's. I honestly don't care for Chipotle. Is that fast food? That's that like millennial. No, I'm talking drive through. Okay, drive through situation. I'm not gonna eat at Hardee's. I don't either. Um, I'm not gonna eat at Burger King. I'm not gonna eat at um, Zaxby's. I don't like Zaxby's either. Um, I don't like Hard. You named all of mine, and I also obviously will not eat at Long John Silver. Oh, I don't even <laughs> consider that. <laughs> Um, there are a bunch that I'm just not super familiar with because we didn't have them where I grew up. Like Popeye's, we don't have that in South Florida. I've lived in Tallahassee for eight years now. I've been to Popeye's once. I tried their chicken sandwich. It was fine. I haven't gotten it, gotten to do it. It was good. It yeah. was way heavier than Chick-fil-A's. I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. I drove by, um, Popeye's yesterday, mm-hmm. um, on Appalachian Parkway near Cap Circle because I was going to a different restaurant. And the line was all the way to Cap Circle, which is very, 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 very long and dangerous on a major road. Yeah. So I'm waiting Yeah. until the buzz dies down again before I wait 45 minutes for a $4 chicken sandwich. Popeye's also just takes a long time, at least here in Thomasville. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think you pretty much named all my favorites and certainly the ones I will not eat at. Yeah. Um, Dream author for the store. Oof. Uh, Uh, For me, that's Colson Whitehead. Oh my goodness. That would be amazing. Yeah. I was thinking for you, it might also be Ann Patchett. Yeah, I would love if, if Ann Patrick came. I would partly... I also just love her because of her kinship to the bookstore yeah, in general. Exactly. Um, so yeah, Ann Patchett and Colson Whitehead. What a duo. I'd cry. Um, Lauren Groff, too. Oh, she'd be good. Yeah. She'd be good. I can't decide if Thomas Will would appreciate her. Maybe not. As much as like the Tallahassee crowd would. Right. Um, and that's the issue. But I do love... I love her as a person. I also have gotten to meet her. Yeah, and she no, seems she's, like the real delightful. deal. But you're right, Colson Whitehead would be would no, be he's really, top of my really list great. right now. Favorite novels set in the South. We got two of these. Okay. No, I mean like two oh, people okay. ask this. Gotcha, yeah. Um uh, I'm trying to think. Um my favorite 
is obviously To Kill a Mockingbird. Sure. But everybody already knows that. Um, Annihilation is set in the... Yep. Um, What's that? St. Mark's Saint Wildlife Marks. Refuge, wildlife refuge mm-hmm. um, in North Florida. It's not a novel, but I love Furious Hours because mm-hmm. um, I felt like I was there. Like I knew all of those places. Um, my mother loves the Mitford books, which I've already named. Mm-hmm. Wendell Berry writes everything set in Kentucky. Oh, those are good. Which is c- kind of the South. Yes. Um, gosh. I love all those, though. I was um, trying to think... Of things that were set. Oh, I love it. Okay, my go-to answer. This is what I should have named at the top. Uh, my favorite is Jocelyn Jackson. I think yeah, she writes about the South those. really well. Um, and and Rick Bragg. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shaun of the South. Yeah, those are all great. Um, series for to read to little boys before bed. Uh, I'm gonna guess eight to ten was maybe the question, or one to eight. I couldn't tell. Mm. Um. I think 8 to 10 is perfect for the Artemis Fowl series. Um, I think those would be good read-alouds. Yeah, I think they're great read-alouds. They might be more 10 to 12, but 8 to 10 I think would be okay. Yeah. Um, about yeah. boy genius encountering magical worlds, a little bit like Harry Potter, but tr- trying to form a criminal empire and seeking and then finding redemption ac- accidentally. Um, Mysterious Benedict Society, mm-hmm. and I liked the Encyclopedia Brown books. Sears of Unfortunate Events. Yes. Um, maybe a little older. But I think those are pretty good. Yeah. And um, those are, I think those would be really fun read-alouds. The trick, right, is that, like, Wimpy Kid, I don't think is as fun a read-aloud. Right. Like, that That's has really a lot to do with pictures. To, yeah. yeah. But I think what we've named, those are good. Those are good go-tos. Olivia is also great at this. Yeah. But those would be my recommendations. Um, how do you track or the best ways to track what books you've read and what you want to read? Um, I don't have an answer for this, but I do just in general really love spreadsheets. Mm-hmm, um, you do. I love spreadsheets. I've made You're so many, so many spreadsheets for our wedding. Um, and I make spreadsheets for my comic book reading and comic book collecting. Um, but I've never done it with reading. I've never felt the need to. I kind of read whatever I feel like reading at the time. Um, I track my reading on Instagram. I know a ton of people use Goodreads. I am not interested in that, not only because of its Amazon affiliations, but also... I also just don't like the website. I was about to say, also, I just don't need... We've talked about this before. Yeah. I don't need another thing to keep up with. Yeah. It's why I put them on Instagram to begin with. Yep. Um, I might be changing that in the new year. I might do a newsletter instead. Um, the other thing that I think is cool and I would like to do but don't, I've seen a lot of people do a bullet journal keeping yeah. track. Uh-huh. And I personally love letter form. They have these little almost pocket-sized, you've seen them, mm-hmm. um, They're book great. journals. I think those would be really great. Um, that kind of is something I'd be interested in keeping. Kelsey keeps a reading journal Yeah. Um, where everything she finishes, she writes about a page yeah. about like, here's what I thought, here's what I felt, here's what I liked, here's what I didn't like, yeah. here's what was going on in my life that made me connect with this at the time. Like. Yeah. And she has already found so much value in that, just being able to look at what she read last year. Yes. Um, so like, oh, wow, yeah, no, I forgot. I really loved this book. Yeah. Um, so, like, I would like to adopt that kind of practice, too. Yeah, and journaling a little something, I think, is a great idea. For books you want to read, um, the best way I do is one of two ways. I either take a screenshot or keep uh-huh. a note on my phone, or on Instagram <clears throat> now, I, ta- I flag. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, that bookmark book. feature. Yeah. 
Um, okay, best ways to support the store long distance. Um, shop in our online store. Shop in our online store. Um, repost social media just because the algorithm is super weird. So yeah. even if you can't maybe afford a full price book, which I understand, um, an easy cheap way is to like for literally for free is to post about us on Instagram to leave us good reviews mm-hmm. in ver- on various platforms. Um, support us on Patreon. Uh-huh. That's another inexpensive Cost of way. A coffee a month, you can get some. Uh, bonus content from us and also just support us in our endeavors. Yeah. Libro FM is great uh-huh. for independent bookstores if you're an audiobook listener. Oh, Libro FM is so good. Um, they are the real deal. They help bookstores like us. And so if you listen to audiobooks through their app, um, you can ta- like you can do that through our bookstore. Um, which books do we purchase and keep? Like, which books do you actually buy? I feel like I don't have a great system for this. And I end up not buying things that I wish I had bought more than I end up buying things that I wish I hadn't. That might be a good It is a good problem. thing. Yeah. Um, I remember that when I was in college and there was a Barnes & Noble within walking distance, I couldn't go in there mm-hmm. because I would buy something invariably every time. And yeah. I was in college. I didn't have time to just like read right. for fun. Um, so I ended up amassing a collection that way. There was also a thrift store in walking distance that had a weirdly good paperback selection and it was different every time because it's a thrift store and I picked up a lot of books for three to five dollars um that way um in adult life where I've become much more responsible with my spending um I feel like I haven't bought nearly as many books in the past two years maybe as I would like and there are still some that like I read part of in the store and thought, ooh, I really like this, and then didn't buy, and then I don't remember what they are. So I would like yeah. a good answer to this, too. Um, I buy books when I'm traveling. Like, if I want to remember where I went, I buy a book from that place. I keep their bookmark in there. Um, it's like a souvenir to me. Uh-huh. So that is always what I buy. As far as in my Thomasville life, like at the bookshelf... I will spend my actual money supporting myself, uh-huh. <laughs> but I will do that with books I know I'm going to write in, um, yeah. Books, yeah, yeah, yeah. books I know I want to keep and mark up because I am I write and tear my books. Um, I do not, generally speaking, keep my ARCs after I've finished them mm-hmm. um, unless... They were really good. Unless they were really good. So, for example, this was funny. I kept Family of Origin because uh-huh. I adored it kept mine too. and marked all in it. But then they sent me a hard copy. Ah. And so I was like, uh, I kind of want this hard copy because it's like hardcover. So I went through the hardcover and ripped and duplicated Transcribed my notes. Transcribed your notes. Yeah, yeah. And then got rid of my ARC. I love that. Um, but I did that once for something else yeah. too. I don't remember what book it was, but I had, I had the advanced copy and then I got a hard copy and... And redid my notes. So I bought recently, the books that I bought were Sarah Bessie's new book, uh-huh. Miracles and Other Reasonable Things, The Preacher's Wife, because I knew I would write in it. Um, that is mostly what I buy. Yeah. Um, is and, and that might, those two are examples of nonfiction, but that could be fiction. I write yeah. in my fiction too. But it's all about what I'm going to, and I keep books that have nostalgic value. Yeah. Um, but as far as like going out now into a bookstore, I buy it. If it's representative of the place where I am, uh-huh. like where I physically am, um, or if it um, is a book I know I'm going to keep and write in. Yeah. I can also talk a little bit about Kelsey's perspective on this too, where yeah. she loves travel books and cookbooks, neither of which are things that I buy 
ever. Okay. Um, I look up recipes on Google. Yeah. Um, I look up travel advice on Google, and I just don't even think about there being print options for that. Right. And Kelsey's like, oh, well, if we're going to go to Italy, then we need to buy this travel book about what to do in Italy. And yeah. like, but I could also just Google things to do in Italy. What are you talking about? Yeah. And so I think that's a really charming yeah. difference. Cause like it's completely harmless and yes. inoffensive that she wants these books. Yes. Um, that's not like something that annoys me. It's just funny to me. Yeah. That um, that's that, what she gravitates to. And for. I don't even think of that yeah. as, as an option. That's funny. Yeah. I did buy uh, Let Me Feed You. That was a cookbook I bought this year. And I'm very tempted to buy the Soup Night cookbook. It was so I fun. bought it. It's did great. You? Yeah. Um, because I enjoyed all but one of those soups. Yes. I thought they were great. And I was like, I want to make all of these. Yeah. They were um, legitimately so, good. So yeah, I haven't flipped through it yet since I got it home, but I did buy it. Yeah. And it, it was it was excellent. Um, what is one book you recommend, you will recommend forever? You can only name one. Do I have a context for it? The question, I think when the Bell, I think this was Bell's question from Bell's Flower Truck. I think she really just said, what is one book you will recommend forever? Maybe one book that represents you that you will recommend I'll forever. always come back to Brave New World. I think everybody should read that book. I think it's so important and so timely always since the year that it was written into the present about how we let distractions ruin our lives. And how we let really fleeting pleasures distract us from all the like important things that we should be thinking about. Um, I think mine is going to be Station Eleven. Yeah. Um, and I think that's another great one in the same mold. I think it just reminds us. I think it's a unique book in that it can appeal. I am not a post-apocalyptic reader. Mm -hmm. I am not a reader in which that kind of world is of interest to me typically. Yeah. But I adored that book. The themes of that book are super important um, about what actually lasts. Mm -hmm. Um, and what and, might last, and, and what we make last, yeah, and what might last into the next, um, into the next century and the, into the next generation. Um, so that is one for me. Yeah, that's a super super good one. There was one more, but it's so long, so I think I'm gonna save it. It's because it's top three books of all time, but also food episode, like TV episodes, movies, oh, let's music. Let's do a whole episode on that one. Yeah, so I'm gonna circle that one as an episode. All right. Well, we've done an hour. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy 250th birthday. Yes. We've been around for 250 years. <laughs> it seems like it sometimes. <laughs> um, it's been 250 years in the past three years. Um, but here we are. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening. I can't believe you like hearing the things we have to say, but I deeply, deeply appreciate it. I do too. Um, here's to maybe not 250 more. But <laughs> here's to some more. Here's to some more. <laughs> of the bookshelf an independent bookstore in thomasville georgia it's produced by me annie jones and chris jensen and edited by chris jensen if you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop thank you as always to forlorn strangers for the use of our theme music it's called bottom of the barrel from their album forlorn strangers you can learn more at forlornstrangers.com or find ben and hannah under their current moniker the rally club 
If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, you can find us on uh, our <laughs> you can find us at patreon.com slash from the front porch. You can also find us at our website, from the front porch for web only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, in the 250 years that we have been recording this episode, a funny <laughs> thing happened. Um, we did story time with uh, Llama Llama books on mm. Saturday, and then they made these llamas. And um, one little boy, Brian, he always goes really all out with his craft, like he's super creative. And so he, his llama clearly looked terrified, like had scared, like scared eyes. And I was like, oh, what is your llama so afraid of? And we had pom-poms that like we're supposed to like create like a little fringe or whatever uh -huh. but he had glued one really big pom-pom and he was like this is an asteroid and it's aiming straight for the llama and then this <laughs> is the lightning and this is the rain and so she's running for her life and i was like all right that totally answers my question that's incredible <laughs> it was very fun. i love everything about that yeah very very detailed he'd put a lot of thought into that thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week <laughs>